An analysis of over 6 million tweets and retweets and where they originate from has found that uh, us here in Canada and Canadian public opinion is actually being targeted by Russia. Now, for more on this, here is cybersecurity expert David Shipley, who joins us once again here on the program. David, good afternoon. Good afternoon. All right. Can you tell us a bit more about the study? This is from the University of Calgary. And just uh, how exactly is Russia targeting us online? So Russia wants to uh, inflame tensions uh, between the uh, Canadian political right, the Canadian political left. They want to put narratives in there that, uh, you know, from uh, the left side of things, that the Ukrainian government is actually a fascist Nazi regime, which is literally copy and paste from Kremlin talking points. On the uh, right wing side, there's, you know, uh, sort of the traditional isolationist kind of themes. You know, we, this isn't our fight. We shouldn't be involved. Why are we spending our tax money this way? The goal is to erode public support for government positions in supporting um, the Ukrainian people, um, because that's one of the ways to take us out of the fight. And um, it's classic propaganda, but with a digital twist. And thankfully, at least with um, Twitter, researchers are able to access the pipeline of these and, and really get a handle on the volume and activity, not all the social media platforms, Facebook, for example, are as transparent about this inauthentic content that's being used to manipulate people. Okay, I want to get to more on that in just a second, David, but what are the implications of this? Uh, what is Russia, what are they trying or hoping to achieve here? Well, number one, um, they don't want Canada sending hundreds of millions of dollars in funding and arms uh, to support the uh, Ukrainian government and, and the people defend their country. So um, if if the Canadian population stops supporting it and um, and that pressure hits our politicians and our democracy, we tend to respond to what the public is doing. So um, eroding that support is, is, is key uh, towards that. And this is one of the few ways that Russia can effectively hit back and try and hurt uh, the prime minister and government um, by targeting voters directly. All right. So what, if anything, can be done about this? Because uh, as we know, when it comes to uh, online uh, discourse and uh, propaganda, it's often tough uh, to kind of source it to find where it's stemming and coming from and to kind of tamp it down or out. Well, I, I think there's a couple of different things. There, there are short-term things and there are long-term things. And, and one of the things I was on uh, Parliament Hill this week talking about social media disinformation with uh, the Standing Committee on Public Safety and National Security is algorithmic transparency. So what are the, the 6 million messages? How are people seeing them? How is that content being fed to them? And making it so that when you sign up for a social media account, the stuff you see is only the chronological order on which the uh, content you've subscribed, the people you follow, your friends, et cetera, is presented. That's the way social media used to work. But now it's actually AI and algorithms that try and feed you as much um, content that's going to be disruptive or get your attention, um, whether that's through anger or fear, as possible just because they want to sell more advertising. Um, so we need to disconnect that AI engine that can sometimes be manipulated successfully by Russia and others to push these narratives in front of Canadians. Um, and they may not even fully realize they're being fed a steady diet of, of disinformation. And that's the, that's the technological fix. The deeper fix, and we're seeing um, universities here in New Brunswick start to roll out digital literacy courses uh, for undergraduates. And there's talk about maybe doing it at our high schools teaching people how to think critically about the information they're consuming 
from social media and websites and making sure they know to go to good, trusted sources like legitimate journalism and outlets um, before they form opinions uh, based on inauthentic content. Do we have to make, and it seems like every time we talk about this, uh, David, this uh, comes up, do we have to make uh, Twitter, Facebook, Meta, I mean, all of these social media sites, do we have to make them more accountable for the content that is on their sites? Absolutely. I mean, this is the old Spider-Man saying of with great power comes great responsibility. And, you know, we've talked about before how broadcast television and radio are subject to regulations for the privilege of the platform they've been given of reaching out to people and the uh, the hundreds of millions of dollars made in, in advertising. Um, social media needs to put more um, effort into content regulation, into authentic account um, sort of policing. So making sure they shot down these big botnets that are creating these fake accounts to try and push these messages forward and transparency reports back to um, the public, journalists, academics, so we can see how they're doing on these things. And and, and some of these um, misinformation campaigns, they go far more than just trying to um, drive down public support for Ukraine. You know, in in other parts of the world, these have been used to fuel genocides. Social media has killed a lot of people um, and we have to do something about it. Should people, should Canadians, should they be surprised, David, when they hear the story that Russia is actually uh, targeting us, targeting Canada and Canadian uh, sentiment and public uh, opinion? Because there might be some out there that are listening to this saying, well, geez, I didn't think we were that uh, much of a player on the world stage, perhaps. Oh, we, 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 we certainly are. Uh, uh, you know, when it comes dollar for dollar, are we the, the biggest donor to Ukraine? No, but we do have uh, one of the largest Ukrainian diasporas in the world. Um, they certainly have no love for Russia has no love for our uh, prime minister and our uh, finance minister. Um, you know, they've had long bones to pick with them because we've sided with the Ukrainian people in the struggle. So, you know, Russia has targeted us in the past. Um, there's elements of the um, convoy occupation protest uh, that were clearly manipulated um, by Russia and others. Um, so, you know, this is a pattern of behavior and um, the scale of which they're able to do this means that they can have operations running and they do have operations running against the United States, against Canada. They have operations in Africa uh, to advance their aims. This is this is the way that you fight um, cyber wars. Um, it's not just about hacking into things and turning off power. It's about trying to hack into the mind. Mentioned a moment ago, David, about appearing in front of that parliamentary committee. Myself and others uh, watch this with a great interest. Could you uh, detail your experience for us uh, there in Ottawa, and uh, what was your message for the committee? Well, it was interesting. So after several years and several hundred interviews, where I've constantly been calling on the federal government to act, it was uh, it was slightly intimidating to actually go up in front of the committee and 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 say the same message. But the the key things that I told parliamentarians are. Uh, number one, we have to have mandatory incident reporting. So when a hospital gets hit in Canada, we need to know how and why and share that information out so we can protect hundreds of other hospitals. Uh, we need better cybersecurity hygiene standards for business and public sector, the basic fire code for the digital world, um, because without that, we're just being burned down by arsonists left, right and center. Uh, we need better financial support, particularly for municipalities, healthcare, higher education um, at the subnational level, because they are the ones getting hammered by ransomware gangs and, and nation states. Uh, so we, we need to not just defend Ottawa, but we need to defend the entire country. And we can't afford to do this on a provincial basis because then we'll have 
have security provinces and have not security provinces. And that's that's not the kind of candidate I want to uh, be part of. And, and lastly, I did mention the need to rein in social media algorithms. And this is really important. We didn't talk about um, policing individual Canadians' content. That's that's a rabbit hole that's just been a giant distraction. It's the AI that's actually choosing what to feed Canadians. And in often case, it's feeding them bad information. Um, in the case of vaccine information, stuff that's gotten people killed. And in the case of politics, things that are not in our national interest. Yeah, Did you walk away, David, with a sense that the lawmakers, our leaders, they have a true appreciation where we are on these matters right now, just uh, how important, how critical uh, this time is right now? I, I genuinely felt the the committee members from all parties were listening. There were elements of partisanship that emerged with respect to, you know, is Russia targeting the right wing or the left wing? And honestly, it's it's everybody. They just want us at each other's throats. Um, and but I, I thought parliamentarians had a good sense of we we need to move on this. Um, and I, I think my message is that cyber is a national security imperative. Um, did land um, how fast they move. Not fast enough to what I want to see, but at least they're having the conversations now. All right, David Shipley, appreciate you and all that you do and appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Take care. You too. Cybersecurity expert David Shipley with us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.